Tebrüdama Oh, Carrie, I have a receipt and a tracking number for you, but I left it at home. Can I call you with it this afternoon? I'll just call you. All right. So Paul is having this conversation with these friends of his, friends he's never met, friends who were introduced to the gospel by a guy named Epaphras, who helped found a church in Colossae, and there these New believers have grown and become quite the, um, what's the word I want to say? Quite the example of what it means to be followers of Christ. And so Paul is writing this letter to them, and he's just encouraging them and kind of warning them sometimes. And in this particular passage, he wants them to think about their focus. What is it that they need to be thinking about as believers in this moment in time. And so he says to them, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. In other words, don't seek earthly stuff, but seek heavenly things. Does that remind you of another pretty famous aphorism in the New Testament? where Jesus says, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So Paul is just basically repeating Jesus. Focus on the eternal things. Focus on what's important. Now, I've got to be honest. I've preached on that passage of Jesus and the treasure, and I've preached on this passage so many times, and it's a pretty straightforward sermon. Not a lot of work involved in putting this together. The first question you ask is, what are the things you don't focus on? And the answer, of course, is you don't focus on the things, the stuff here. You don't focus on your things, your accomplishments. You don't focus on the gathering of barnload after barnload of things that just won't do you any good once you're not here anymore. You don't focus on accolades. You know, it's fine if someone gives you an award for something and you should say thank you, but that's not your focus. And if you have done what you have done, just so you can get that award, ah, well, I hope you enjoyed that. But if you do what you do in serving others in the name of Jesus, trying to make a difference in the world because you have been called into the kingdom of God, and someone recognizes you for that, then yay. But you don't work for that. You don't work for the plaque. You don't work for the trophy. You don't work for the status. You you don't strive just to be known. Rather, you focus on the things of God. Heavenly things. So it's kind of standard stuff. That's what you don't focus on. But what you do focus on, rather, are, here we go, love. Because that's eternal. Service. Because what we do for humanity 
matters in an eternal way. You focus on kindness because that is the nature and quality of God's love for us. And you focus on selflessness, of giving yourself up to make a difference in the lives of others. So that's kind of the list. So that was quick. That was easy. Don't focus on stuff here, but rather focus on the things of God. Here is where we should do the closing prayer and be done. But I was introduced to a book this week. Beautiful Oops. Does anybody know this book? It is so wonderful, and it is my intention sometime in the next few weeks to read the whole thing, but it's kind of involved in its illustrations and stuff, so we're going to need some help getting that all taken care of. But this is such an incredible book uh, by Barney Salzberg. And on the back cover of the book, as it describes what the book is, here's what it says. A spill, a smear, a smudge, a tear. When you think you have made a mistake, think of it as an opportunity to make something beautiful. And then the book will recount what you can do when you tear a piece of paper, how that doesn't need to be thrown away but can be transformed into art. Or what happens when you bend the paper or if you drip paint where it's not supposed to go, how to make that a beautiful thing. The, the book looks at those natural inconveniences like smudges and smears and tries to say in all of that stuff, everything has the potential to be redeemed into something beautiful. And so I'm thinking about what it means to focus on heavenly things, to seek treasure in heaven, and I begin to realize that it's not just those positive acts we do, but it is our entire redeemable self, our entire redeemable downside. And to you and me, I know there is for me, and I am assuming it's true for you, I may be wrong, but there is a sizable downside in all of us. We make mistakes. We fail and don't come close. But there is this exciting good news that says God can take that which is fallen and redeem it and lift it up. That God can take that which has failed and bring it back to a place that is positive and beautiful. We sing a song. I'm not sure we've sung it. Uh, you'll have to help me, Marilyn, if we sung it in church or not, but we sing it at Green Lake. It's called Beautiful Things. And the lyrics go something like this. All this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life can really change it all. All this earth could, all that is lost ever be found. Could a garden come up from this ground at all? You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. All around, hope is springing up from this old ground. Out of chaos, life is being found in you. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. 
You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. There is a redeemable downside in our lives that actually should be celebrated. And there are so many because we make mistakes. We screw up. There are foibles in our character. There are failures. There are shortcomings. There are the bad decisions that we make and tend to keep making. But all these things are redeemable by God's love and grace and mercy. And all of them are a part of what it means for us to be in Christ. Because God isn't interested in just the good stuff. He's interested in all of us. All of these things are redeemed by God's love and grace. They are touched and healed and changed and can become the beginning points of growth of understanding, of meaning. So all of a sudden, these shortcomings in our lives, these oops moments, rather than being just oops moments, they are the beautiful oops of our lives because they can be transformed into something powerful and meaningful. Our failure, I had to think about this when I wrote it down, our failure is in many ways our redemption. Because in our failure, we are put in a position to experience God's love in its fullest. Because we're not loved because of what we do, we are loved because of who we are, the children of God. Whether we fall short the love is there. There's not a time when God says, I don't love you anymore because you've messed up. It's all redeemable by the grace of God. Remember our Savior who taught us that the last would be first. That the tiniest would become the most significant. Remember that he taught us it is worth leaving the 99 to reclaim the one. The one with the redeemable downside. Remember Jesus and his shameful and dehumanizing end. It was a moment of failure as people observed it. But the cross becomes a beautiful oops as resurrection life takes hold. So we focus on the eternal. We focus on the significant. And we realize that part of what is eternal is us. As we are becoming what we are becoming by God's grace and God's mercy. Amen.